chapter 1. Again, turn with me, please, to Colossians chapter 1. And let's jump into what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. Uh, this series, If Trees Could Talk, is probably odd in some ways because, first of all, trees don't talk in the way we define talk. They do not, we're not going to walk out there and somewhere on that tree, a, uh, an opening is going to happen and we're going to hear this audible voice come out of the tree. Nevertheless, talking is not audibly. If you don't believe that, ask anyone who is not able to speak and they're able to communicate with their hands. There are, is always a way to communicate. You need to understand that today. Say this with me. There is always a method for communication. Just because we have a mouth doesn't mean that's the only way that we communicate. I can tell you some of the most poignant moments of my life growing up was when my father, we would be doing whatever we would be doing. And um, I still, if I reflect on it today, I still just feel and sense the confidence that what I'm about to share with you gave me, uh, let me know how he felt about me, even though words were not spoken, we could be walking down the road or in a, in a store, wherever we might be. And all he had to do was reach over and put his hand on my shoulder and I never say a word. And I do, and I, it just made everything in me warm because I, I would, and I, and he could leave it there all day long. I never asked my dad, please take your arm down. It's really awkward. I never said that to him. We'd be driving down the road and he would lean over. He would just reach over, just be randomly. We would drive down the road. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? And we would just randomly be driving down the road and my dad would reach over and he would put his hand on my shoulder, maybe put his hand on my knee and just drive down the road and we would be having a talk. And I never one time said, dad, would you please, that's really awkward. Would you please not do that? Because every time he did it, I felt warm and fuzzy inside. Every time he did it, it made me think of, man, this man loves me. And he never, so, he never had to say it. He communicated with me in ways that were silent, but very clear. I didn't question it because I knew. And that same way, I knew he communicated with me sometimes without saying it because he communicated with something called, you know, that we use. It's a leather strap. It's about this long. Yeah. Or it gets cut off of a tree. He had that form of communication down pat. He knew how to communicate well without being verbal. And, uh, and I knew that same hand that loved me and that same hand that was warm on my shoulder would be hot on my rear if I were not doing what I was supposed to be doing. But he communicated. And there are so many ways to communicate. And it is not any different in the kingdom of God. Yahweh has made communication because we're human and because our primary form of communication is to be able to do what I'm doing right now, to speak to you. I know how to talk. I know how to use my voice. If I tried to communicate to you this morning with sign language, it would be an utter failure. In fact, I'm afraid I would say words that I shouldn't be said because I don't know what I'm doing. And I would just move my hands around. It would be fruitless for me to do that because I do have the ability to speak with my mouth. But for people that don't, they use sign language. People can't hear, they use sign language. And they can communicate just as effectively as me or you. 
So the Father has many, many ways of communicating, and everything, everybody say, every living thing thing. communicates. If it is growing, if there's any sign, if there's sap in the system, blood in the veins, if there's anything in it and it is growing, it's alive. No matter what it is, Yahweh God created it and he did it on purpose. This series, resting on trees or revolving around trees or focusing on trees, is about how they communicate and what do they communicate to us. I said this a couple of weeks ago, I want to reiterate it. And that is there's nothing mentioned more in scripture outside of man than trees. Mankind is the number one subject in scripture. The second reference point in scripture only to mankind is trees and their significance. If trees are important to God, I believe we should ask why. If trees are important to him as a reference point for what mankind should look like, act like, be like, communicate like, maybe we need to ask the Father, what is important about these? We're going to talk about a few things today, and let's begin in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. And it says this, for by him all things were created. Everybody say, by him everything was made. You don't have to say anything else. In heaven and on earth, both visible and invisible, whether it be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and they were created for him. Say that again. All things were created through him, and all things were created for him. him. So trees have a story to tell. They were created by God, and they have a story. Trees have both, they've done all of these things I'm about to mention. They have defined us, they have judged us, and they have delivered us. We're going to look at some of these moments here in just a second. But they have defined us, they have judged us, and they have delivered us. And I want us today to consider the significance of trees in God's plan for your purpose and my purpose. So let's look at these three stories today that all have eternal consequences in our lives. Let's look first at Noah's Ark. Everybody say Noah's Ark. That was a big boat. Very misunderstood boat. Ship, really. It wasn't really a boat. It was more of a ship. But it was, it's very misunderstood. It's misunderstood exactly how many animals were on the boat. Um, they get it right. Some get it right. Most get it wrong. It's irrelevant in today's teaching. What's important about the ark today is what it was made of. What was the ark made of? What was it made of? Gopher wood. Genesis chapter 6. Let's look at that. Genesis chapter 6 verse 14 says this. says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And I want to jump immediately to Hebrews 7, uh, 11 and then we're going to go back to Genesis. So Hebrews 11 verse 7. By faith Noah being warned by God concerning events that as yet were unseen in reverent fear constructed an ark 
for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes only by faith. By faith, Noah constructed an ark. Say that with me. By faith, faith. Noah Noah. constructed Constructed. an an ark. It takes a lot of faith. Let's look back at Genesis 6. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. My first question would be, what is an ark? (laughs) Now we know in scripture, we know in the first testament that Yahweh really points it out, makes it clear on how it's to be built and what it's to be made of and its exact dimensions and all of that is important. The details are there. And we know that those details are important, but there's an intention. The father has some intentions. And I love that they sang about this and spoke about it earlier this morning. His intention is to do what? He wants to save mankind from the beginning, the moment Adam and Eve sinned. Yahweh was looking for a way. How can I redeem these folks? How can I redeem them? Because his heart is not against anyone. It doesn't matter. In this room or watching online, no matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've said, who you said it to, and how you said it. He's not looking for a way to hold those things against you. He's looking for a way to remove those things from you. And sometimes he's going to cast it out. And in the case of Noah, he's going to float it out. There's something to be said about communicating and building something that has never been built. So by faith, the father said, Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. And again, my first question, what is an ark? Okay, now you've told me what this ark is. So now by faith, keep in mind Noah's perspective. Wood is heavy. Gopher wood is very heavy. So in the mind of Noah, to go and to gather all of this wood, all of the dimensions... And he's getting this gopher wood and he's putting it where it needs to be and he's beginning to lay it out and he's beginning to cut it, cut he's begin cutting it and he's heaving it over his shoulder and he's walking around with all of this wood and he's carrying it out and he's putting this one over here, this two by six here, this two by eight there, this six by whatever and he's carrying all this wood around and in his mind, because he's never been in a boat, he's never seen a boat, never been on a raft. In his mind, this wood is heavy, and he's wanting me to build this thing, and it's going to do what? So he's gathering all of this up, and it says, by faith, Noah, being warned by God, knowing what was coming, Noah, I'm going to flood this earth. The oceans are going to cover the whole world. This place is about to be submerged in nothing but water, Noah. You better get ready. But sir, wood is heavy. I've never done this, and I don't have a crew certified. (laughs) In reverent fear, Noah constructed the ark. For the saving of his household, and by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness, of the righteousness that comes only by faith. What is significance about the wood that Noah built the ark with? You know, at the end of the day, 
I don't know that it really mattered that it was gopher wood except for this singular detail. This singular detail. The father said, gopher wood. Now Noah could have said, but what about balsam wood? It's light. Well, Noah, you don't know how, do you know how heavy three or four thousand animals are? Do you know how to calculate that? When's the last time you picked up an elephant? So I'm going to tell you today what's going to happen is gopher wood is going to communicate in such a way that it will be to the saving of your soul. Because if you use anything else, the only detail today that matters isn't that in your mind you might say if gopher wood floats and it's heavy, this wood will definitely float because it's light. That is not the detail you need to pay attention to. Noah. You need to listen to what gopher wood is trying to tell you. Gopher wood is trying to tell you it will sustain everything that has to go into it. It's, going, it's trying to let you know, build this thing out of me. If the only reason gopher wood existed on the earth at that time, it was to preserve mankind. So for you and me, what does it mean? The only detail that matters is gopher wood. Didn't matter if other wood would work. The father said, I want you to use gopher wood. How does that relate to you and me? Whatever the father tells you to do, don't try to figure out a better way. When he says to do it, don't try to excuse a way. If he tells you to use gopher wood, if the tree starts talking to you, the tree being whatever it might be, if the tree's saying, use me because he created me just for this moment, Don't look for something lighter so that you can carry two boards instead of only one. It might be a little more laborious. It might cause you to sweat a little bit more. It might take you a little longer to build it. But pay attention because there's something to be said. And only an ark made of gopher wood would be able to, at this point in time, be the redemption for Noah and his family. Everybody else gathered around there and said, Noah, you are an at, you've lost your mind. You know the story. You've lost your mind. Do you know how heavy this thing is at its length and its height and its breadth? Do you know how heavy this thing is going to be? Just the girth of this thing. And you think that water's going to come and float this thing? You're going to go to the bottom of the sea. If it did happen, you'd go to the bottom of the sea. We'll just hang out on the top of the trees. But the wood didn't lie. And the father said, no, if you'll build this out of gopher wood, I'll redeem your family. I will save your family. And there will be a remnant that will worship me. When the father tells you, when he speaks to you and he said, this is what you build with. Don't build with something else. When the father says, this is what it's going to take to float the boat that I have purpose to get you from A to B. Don't look for another alternative. If he says do it in fiberglass, do it in fiberglass. If he says do it in wood, do it in wood. If trees could talk, they would say, listen to what he's telling you to use. He's giving you the tools. Don't ignore the details of the tools he's trying to give to you. Can somebody say amen this morning? Let's talk about the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle of God. 
Totally different wood. Acacia wood is what was used. He gave them instructions and he said, this is what I want you to use. I want you to frame both the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle of God, a meeting. I want you to frame that with acacia wood and then you're going to overlay that. I'm not going to give you all the details, but he just overlaid that with gold. It's interesting why he would use that wood. One of the woods, uh, a piece of wood that I love to use is cedar. It's expensive wood, but there's a reason. And my wife and I are really, really fond of cedar in the same way that I'm very fond of cypress for some of the very same reasons. Uh, in Florida, of course, cypress is easier to, to get a hold of. But if you take, and there's other woods that will do this, like acacia wood. But if you take cedar or you take cypress, you can put that outside, you can have that milled, and you can make whatever boards you want, rough cut, finish cut, however you want to do it, and you can take those boards and you can put them on the side of a building, and you don't have to paint them, you don't have to do anything with them. They will color, they will gray, they will do all of that, but they will last for generations and with no treatment necessary. Bugs don't like it because of the oils in it. The sun doesn't hurt it because of the oils in it. The weather doesn't affect it because of the oils in it. Because the Father had a plan for the tree. And if, the, if trees could talk, they would say, why is anybody building out of pine? Because you've got to fake it with me. You've got to coat me with creosote. You've got to dip me in tar. But if you use what the Father sent, and I get it because of cost, but I'm trying to make a point here. Acacia wood was so dense, the bugs couldn't penetrate it. Had enough oil so that it didn't rot, it didn't warp. Had more oil than it did water in it. So it would not warp easily. Give you an idea of the strength of acacia wood, if you don't know the details, and I don't know the exact number of years, I know it was a little over 400 years. But from the time the, the Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle of Meeting were made, they were made out of acacia wood, that was the foundation of it that was the frame of it overlaid with gold and when they overlaid that with gold it gave it the strength the whole ark of the covenant made out of that the posts both temple I mean tabernacle and ark made out of acacia wood overlaid with gold gave it the strength to be able to carry this if you know if you've ever held gold in your hand even I don't have a gold wedding band anymore but I used to but it's it's heavy even a little band, gold is heavy. And to be able to carry that required something within it that was more, what's more valuable, what coated it or what allowed something to be coated? The Ark of the Covenant and the Tabernacle of Meeting, the most important part is not the gold. The most important part is what the gold was overlaid on. Because if it did not have the strength to sustain the weight and the gold and the heat to be able to apply that and the banging and the beating of it and the times that it was going to be tested. It doesn't matter if you have a beautiful gold rod because if it's pure gold and you pick it up, it's going to bend because pure gold is too flexible. It's too pliable and malleable and it will not sustain itself. That's why in your gold ring, it's not pure gold. It's 14 carat or, or whatever carat it is because in it, there's aluminum or there's something else that's in there that's going to give it some strength because by itself, it would just bend and, and it would not sustain time and pressure. But the father said, I want you to build the ark and I want you to build the tabernacle of meeting out of acacia wood and I want you to or frame it and I want you then to overlay it with gold and then some 400 years later, it was in pristine condition. No deterioration until they moved it into the, into the uh, temple in Jerusalem over 400 years later. 
And it's in the same condition. What am I saying by all of this? There's a purpose in everything, significant events in my life and in your life as believers today. So many times the root of what provided for that event to produce what it was supposed to produce happened because the right wood was used and there was a wood that cried out and said, use me because I was made for such a time as this. Let me read the scripture. Turn with me in Psalm chapter 80. Psalm 80 verse 1 says, give ear. O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. It's upon that Ark of the Covenant where the mercy seat rests. It's again, it is as though if you remove the gold, the father is sitting, literally seated on acacia wood. He's seated on a tree. The gold isn't for the strength. The gold is for the beauty. But the strength of the Ark rests in the wood that the gold is overlaid on. Are you getting what I'm telling you this morning? The Ark of the Covenant contained three symbols you're very familiar with, or probably if you're not, I'll make you aware of it, but contained three things that were very significant to you and me. This thing that was made of wood at its foundation, at its root, the core, being made of acacia wood, contained three things. It contained the two tablets that were out of stone, the the Ten Commandments. Contained Aaron's rod that budded. That's an interesting, interesting addition. And I'll tell you why in a second. And it contained a jar of manna. All three of these represented the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. All three of these had significance. The Ten Commandments, obviously, is the Father's heart to say, you didn't do it right. So I'm going to make it easy because I'm really after, or not make it easy, but he said, I'm going to make it plain. I'm really after something specific. I just want people to love me. I want people to know me. And for him, it was a symbol of Yahweh's desire for a pure and a holy people. And he said, I want you to remember this forever. This is what I want for you. I'm looking for a pure and a holy people. Aaron's rod that budded. Very interesting, this part. I used to wonder, why why was that included? Because it almost comes across as... You know, I understand the the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, you know, again, he's looking for a pure people. I I get the whole uh, cup of manna or jar of manna because it was the provision in the wilderness. And when there was nothing there, he provided. I get that. That's something you want to remember. But why do people want to remember the reason that Aaron's rod budded? Aaron's rod budded, if you go back into Numbers chapter 16 or number 17, you can read it later. I'm not going to read it now. But if you read number 16, read number 17, you'll find out that the reason Aaron's rod budded is because when Noah, uh, or when uh, Moses and Aaron were called by the Father to lead the people of Israel, and those that were under them that wanted more authority, Korah and his, those who followed him were very upset, and I'm really, really condensing this in a lot of ways. But Korah rose up and he says, Noah, I mean, Mo- why do I say Noah? Moses. Why would we follow you? You're no different than us. We've all been called to the kingdom of God. We've all been called to leadership. We're all Levites. Why, would, why, why are you any different? Why are you setting yourself apart? Why are you so supposedly the one? And Moses said, listen, I didn't do this. 
I'm not the one that set this in motion. This is God. Well, we don't believe that. He called all of us. He didn't just call you. We don't need a leader. We can all lead ourselves. And it went on and on and on. And finally, the father, Yahweh, told him what to do. And he called all each of the tribes together. And on the rod, each of them brought their wooden rod. Now, keep in mind, Aaron's rod that he's using, that rod that budded, is the same one that turned into a serpent. It's the same one. It's the same rod that touched the water that separated the Red Sea. Same one. It's the same rod that brought the plagues upon Egypt. It's the same rod. This rod he held in his hand his hand. So they go in and he says, you, I want everybody to bring your rod for each tribe and write your name on the, on that rod. And then Yahweh is going to show you that it's his word and not my word. And they laid those rods down and Aaron's was the only rod that budded. And it was a testimony. No matter what you, over the years, many times, many, many times in ministry used to be difficult for me because when I would say something about being in full-time ministry and I would have different people in the beginning, especially, and they would say, well, we're all called to full-time ministry. We're all leaders. We're all preachers. We're all this and we're all that. And I would say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would appease them because I really didn't have a good answer until finally I got got the answer and I'm reading this story among others and begin to realize, you know what? The truth is some are set apart, not set apart because we're better, but set apart for our purpose in the same way that each of you or each of anyone else are set apart for their purpose. And you're called to do your purpose with everything that you've got. And I'm called to do my purpose with everything that I've got. We're called to our purpose. We don't get to choose it. If we chose it, we can be jealous for another. But when we walk into our purpose, we're not jealous for another. We're only jealous for our own that we do it with everything that we've got. So it was interesting that his rod that budded, it was interesting that the pot of manna, interesting that the Ten Commandments are in that ark because the Father said, I want to place it and I'm going to make sure it's surrounded by wood. Wood provided something amazing. It provided a safe place for those things to be stored. I want to tell you something today. If trees could talk, if the acacia tree could talk, it would say again, as we sang about a moment ago, Pay attention to the details. Pay attention to the details. Because the tree would say, if you could see what I've seen. I've seen how many hands have reached into this ark and tried to pull the tablets out. In fact, in, I don't know what book it's in, Kings, I think. I can't remember now. But in one of the books of the Bible, it tells us that in in time, the ark was moved. And the only thing remaining was the Ten Commandments. Aaron's rod that budded and the bowl of pot of manna was removed. That's the last we know. The last story we know of the Ark of the Covenant is the only thing that remains is the Ten Commandments. And that Acacia Wood could say, I know whose hands went in and I know whose hands took out. I know where I've been. If I could tell you about every person, every people, whether it be the Philistines or whomever, that have taken hold of us, I can tell you about every nation that has laid hands. I can tell you about the blessings of God. I could tell you about the cursings, the curses that God has sent. If trees could talk, they would say, just pay attention. Pay attention to the details. There's something in us. We've seen a lot. Pay attention. Let's move across. Let's move down to the cross. We don't know what kind of tree that the cross was made out of. I understand there's a lot of people that believe it was, we don't know. We have no idea. In fact, we really don't even know that the cross was shaped like the cross. We don't know that. We assume that. There's no particular, we just know he was hung on a tree. That's what we know. 
We know he was hung on a tree. Whether the tree was like this or the tree was whatever. We just know he was hung on a tree. In Isaiah 53, it says this. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, Christ, grew up before him like a young plant. See the relationship here. Christ grew up before the Father like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and, he was esteemed, and we esteemed him not. The cross is an interesting piece of wood because we could take a couple of perspectives of that cross and we could look at it in a couple different ways. There's probably some that revile the cross because of what it represented. They revile it because our Christ, our Lord, our Savior died on it. We don't want that. We don't like that. We get angry. We're upset as though the cross had anything to do with it. But it was declared and prophesied that he would die on a tree. It had to happen. Yet some are, get upset because just the idea of him being on a cross. And yet others see the prophetic value in that. And they look at that and we're thankful for the tree that he hung on. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For those, some see it as a curse, the cross that he died on. Others see it as an instrument of our salvation. And again in 1 Peter 2.24, he said, He bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness for by his wounds you have we have been healed what do these stories have to do with if trees could talk if you go throughout scripture and I talked about the tree Judas hung himself on we've talked about the trees of Mamre we've talked about the balsam trees that signaled the armies you're in trouble We've talked about so much of what trees represent and about what the Father might say to us through the tree. And I'm telling you today, when, with these three stories, when I think of Noah's Ark, when I think of the Ark of the Covenant, the Tabernacle of Meeting, and when I think of the cross, and I think that without trees, hear me, none of these stories would be true or would, would, be, would exist. None of these stories. Without trees, I'm going to question... Would we exist? Because the father, when he said to Adam, you can eat of any tree in the garden you wish, but do not touch, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There was a relationship from the beginning of time between what trees represented and what man would be capable of. If you take out everything in your life today that's made of wood and you went home, you wouldn't have a home to live in. 
Because there's not one person in this room, whether you're living in apartments or you're living in a home or you're, renting, you're living in something rented, even if the walls are made out of block, the roof is made out of wood. If you begin to disassemble and remove all wood that came from trees in your life, what would the tree say? The tree would say, and what are you going to do now? Suddenly you realize my value. This message isn't about us being tree huggers, and it isn't about us going out there and talking to the trees. It's, going, it's, it's all about asking ourselves, if trees could talk, what would their story be? What would their story be? And when I'm thinking of the cross of Christ, I'm thinking of this one story. If that cross could talk, it would say to me, are you going to allow this moment to be in vain. They cut me down and they formed me in such a way that this man could be hung on me. I was determined from the beginning of time that this would be my destiny. The moment men sin, man sinned and the father was looking for a second Adam, considering what might it be, from that moment I had a purpose. Can you consider today that without this tree, there would be no cross? Without the tree, there would have been no prophetic word. Without the tree, would there be salvation? The blood had to be shed. But prophecy had to be fulfilled because if the prophecy was not fulfilled, even by one letter, it made every other prophecy and every other prophetic word and every other event in vain. Untrue. If trees could talk, they would say to us, think about what we've seen. And they would say to you, consider well how you measure what's around you. Look around you and pay attention to what the Father has given you. Don't get caught up in the trees. But understand that the trees have something to say to you and me. And their significance and their value in our lives cannot go unsaid. So today when we come before the Father, when you and I gather, when we walk out of this room and we go wherever we're going, we need to consider, Father, what are you trying to say to me? And who are you trying to say it through? And if the trees are not insignificant... I want to pay attention to everything else too because you gave me an assignment to rule and reign over everything you've created. So when I go out today, I'm not only going to consider if the trees could talk. What has this field seen? What has that cloud seen? What is the moon that I'm looking at tonight? What has it seen? And if it is a witness of the things and purposes and, and glory of God, I want to see that witness. And that is what they are. They are a witness to the faithfulness of God to you and me to always provide a way. If I need to redeem you, I'm going to redeem man through an ark that floats. 
or I'm going to redeem man through an ark that's filled with symbols that will remind them that without me, they cannot do it. Or I'm going to redeem them through a cross, all made from a tree. The most significant moments of redemption in our Christian history, in our lives, all happened on a tree. If trees could talk, they would say, don't disregard why we're here. If there is no other reason that trees tell their story when you cut through them and you look at those rings and you look at those spaces and you look at all that trees represent, if there's no other reason that all of those events occurred, it's to prepare them for something absolutely incredible that like Noah had to by faith believe. We too, by faith, have to believe. This tree is going to tell a story. And when it tells my story, I want it to be one of redemption. That I recognize the man on the cross and received him. I recognize the miracle of the ark and received it. I recognize the miracle of the mercy seat, that God is a God of mercy. And I receive it. Amen? Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. I was saying this morning to the team, somebody, incredible, incredible interaction this morning. We always do. Before we come out, we pray. Prepare for what Holy Spirit might want to do in here. Next week, we're going to begin a series entitled Unashamed. And... But this morning as we were speaking and we were sharing, uh, everything that everybody had to say was incredible. But I was reminded of a tree and how it does what it does. And uh, Alex Darnell was sharing about the growth of a tree. Was it you, Alex? Yeah, you were sharing about the growth of the tree and how it grows. Did I get it out of place? It's rooted, but it's always moving. And he made me think when he said that because that really struck a chord in me. And it made me consider if you take a tree, you go outside, and I said this to the team, if you go outside and find a tree, say a little oak tree that's just barely coming out of the acorn and it's about that tall. And if you had the ability to cut a notch in that little sapling that's only one inch off the ground and you came back 50 years later and you could see that notch, it would still be one inch off the ground even if the tree is 100 feet tall. Because the tree does not grow from the bottom up. The growth of the tree happens on top of each previous generation. So if you go out and you... Now, it will expand outward. So that notch, if you could still see it, of course, it's going to be overgrown because every generation, it's also going to overlap it growing outward. But if you could see that notch at one, at one inch above ground level, no matter how big and round that tree is, it did not move an iota. The only thing that would have changed its height or distance from the ground would be if the leaves built up. But if you could go back to that moment in time, same ground level, same elevation, it would be exactly the same height off the ground because the tree, as it comes up, it builds on the previous layer upward in the same way it builds on the previous layer outward. 
So if to understand that, if you look at the center of a tree where the first little sapling is, that first little ring is, keep in mind that ring is never getting bigger. But as it grows outward, now the next ring is bigger. Then the next ring is bigger. It's the same principle, upward and, and, across, and outward. It's the same principle. For you and me, we stand today with an opportunity to really receive and to understand. The Father put the trees on the earth for a purpose, not to worship trees, not to focus on the tree, even though it seems as though that's what we've done. But our goal and our purpose is to focus what came from the tree. What opportunity did the tree put in front of us and how has the Father used it? And if they could talk, they would be saying, recognize the fruit that has come off of this thing. We don't eat the branches of a tree, but I just this morning ate a delicious pink lady apple. And as I was eating that apple, I'm not eating the branch of the tree, the trunk of the tree, the leaves of the tree, but I'm eating the fruit of the tree. That tree produced that life. Someone else said, Liz said, talking about the oxygen that the, that the tree is giving out. I want to tell you today that there's something for, for you and for me to receive as each generation is building on the other, upward and outward. We are growing outward and we are growing upward. We do not disregard. We don't clam up. We don't get upset because our notch one inch off the ground isn't getting any higher or even going out any further. We celebrate that we were notched here, but there is growth outward. This new growth is going to be different than the first growth. From glory to glory to glory. Glory to glory to glory. I know this. Now I know this. Now I'm here. He's changing you and me. We have a job to do. It's not even a job. It's an assignment. We have an assignment to be a testimony and a witness. And never, never has there been a more needed time for us to be vigilant. Not tossing in the wind. Loosely. And coming unrooted, uprooted. But being firm and stable. With our roots deep. Amen. Knowing why we were created. Recognizing that what comes out of that roots. What do I want it to look like? Do I want it to be a reed easily shaken? Or do I want to become the mighty oak that is strong? And I'm not moved by the things that are going on all around me. Because I know what my point is. That tree is always growing towards the sun. I'm asking you today. Are you growing towards the sun? Is every decision you make growing you towards the sun? When you're growing outward or you're growing upward, are you moving towards the sun? Where's your movement taking you? If the tree could talk, it would say, pay attention. Listen. Watch. He used a tree because it's such an incredible example of what it looks like to know your purpose. And to not get distracted by what's around you. There's a people out there. I'm telling you, there's a people out there that are dying. Today, people are going to die. Why? They're going to die because they've disobeyed the voice of God. They've never understood the voice of God. They're dying today. There's people going to hell today. Why are they going to hell? I don't want it to be a, a multitude of reasons, but I don't want anyone going to hell because you and I missed our moment to be the tree growing towards the sun. We missed our moment to flutter our leaf where it needed to be fluttered. 
We missed our moment to drop the fruit at the moment it needed to be dropped. Let it not be accounted to us that we came up a sapling when we should have been a mighty oak. Let it not be our testimony that the wind blew us over when our roots should have gone deep enough to hold us firm. Let it be our testimony that if the man across the table needs an ark to float him out of his condition, then I'll be that ark. If the woman across the room needs a symbol that represents the witness of God moving on behalf of a nation, let me be that symbol that is a witness of God that he moves on behalf of those who love and honor him. If there's a dead leaf on your branches, shake it off today. If there are limbs that need to be pruned, let him prune them today. If there are weeds growing up the trunk of who you represent and who you are today, cut it off at its root. Recognize what it is. Don't look at it and say, you're green like me, therefore you must be good. Ask Holy Spirit, help me discern what this is growing up my trunk. Help me discern what this is lighting in my branches. Let me discern what this is that's trying to rob from me. And then, Father, today as I'm growing towards you, I'm moving towards you, and I'm shifting, and I'm determined. There's determination in me. Change me. Heal me. Forgive me. Redeem me. The end of the day, I want to stand and I want to, you to say, Steve Parker, you are a son in whom I'm well pleased. You have grown well. You have extended your branches into the places where they belonged and you pruned them when they got into places they did not. Does anybody hear me this morning? There's a call to you in this room and a call to you watching online today. Pay attention to the direction you are growing in. Pay attention to what it is your branches are reaching for. Pay attention to what's lighting in your limbs, what's making a nest in your limbs. It's one thing to have a robin build a nest and you provide cover. It's another thing for mistletoe to find a place in your limbs and poison you from the inside out. Recognize it. Mankind will take mistletoe and they will make it this symbol of kissing and love and happiness. And it's a parasite that destroys every tree it gets on. It will kill it from the inside out. Every tree. The only thing you can do is cut off the limb or cut down the tree. Recognize today the parasites that have made a nest in the branches of your life. Where repentance is necessary, repent today. The whole earth, the whole earth 
is crying out for the sons of God to be revealed. Spread your branches. Spread your branches. Father, I'm so thankful for the people today. Thankful for your word. Thankful for how you change us. Thankful for how you renew us. Thankful for what you speak to us. Thankful that you forgive us, that you redeem us. Thankful today that you provide for us, that you make a way for us, that you never leave us hanging. You're, not, you're never saying, well, it's too late now. I'm thankful that in every way you make a way. There's people that are listening to me today. I pray in every way that if there's anything in anyone that's hearing the sound of my voice, I hope today and pray today, Father, that you will cause them to hunger and thirst for you. Cause them today to recognize where their tree is at, where it's growing, what's growing in their limbs and their branches. Help us today to recognize that you sent an answer on a tree to redeem our tree. Today we give thanks. And we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. I love you and I bless you today.